All right. Super Bowl Sunday. That's what most people are thinking about today, right? Most people today in America are thinking about the Super Bowl. Most people in America today are thinking about getting ready to have, have these parties, and it's, and it's great to do that. I mean, we're going to watch the game later tonight. Um, but we need to also get ready for life, right? We need to get ready for the Christian life that God's called us to in Christ Jesus. We need to get ready for that. And that means we have to set aside time, not just time on Sunday morning, but time throughout the week as well. I hope you'll start coming on Wednesday night. We started a study last week called How to Learn the Bible, How to Study the Bible. And it's to learn how to take the Bible, apply it to our daily life, not just our Sunday life or our religious life, but just to life in general. How can we take the Bible and learn more of it and begin to really apply it to our life? hope you can come to that. We have eight more weeks of that. Be glad to see, be glad to see any of you and all of you to be part of that. Today I want to talk about our relationship with Jesus, because that's really what Christians are about. Isn't that right? Amen? We're about this relationship with Jesus Christ because he's our Savior and Lord. He shed his literal blood for us. His body was beaten and broken for us, not bones, but cut and wounded for us. And so we have this relationship in him because of what he's done for us. The Bible says that uh, Christ, that God loved us first, and because of that we can love him. So I want to talk about this. And the title today is uh, Jesus is going to ask us to do some things, not just... Uh, once in a great while, once every two or three or four years. But I think on a regular basis, he asks us more often than not to do things for him on a regular basis. So uh, I want to talk about that this morning. So we're going to have several scriptures that we're going to go through and look at. So I hope you have your bulletins ready and a pen ready for your outline to fill out. Take plenty of notes. There's lots of things uh, that I'm going to talk about that uh, you're going to want to take notes of. Not because of me, but because of God's word. All right. Before we go any further, let's take a moment. Let's just ask God to bless this time as we worship in the Word. Father, this morning, we come before you. We open up the book that you've authored. We thank you for the words that are on the pages of this book called the Bible. We thank you for all the people that are in it, all the men and the women, the boys and the girls, and how their life with you, how it reflects how we can live our lives for you today and how we can follow their example and we can learn and grow in our faith. We can be stronger as your people. Father, truly, we might be going through difficult times. Truly, someone here is probably struggling with something in their life, and they don't know where to go, maybe. They don't know how to hold on to you. Father, I pray today that you'll speak to them, that they'll open their Bible at home when they're struggling, when they're discouraged, when they're down, that you'll speak to them from the pages of, the, of your book and encourage them. Father, we need your encouragement every day. We thank you, Father, that we can come before you in worship like on Sunday mornings. We thank you that we can sing these songs that mean so much for our lives, but also reflect our faith in you. And so I just pray, Father, today that as we worship in your word, as we worship already through offering and through songs, that you're pleased with us. That we'll all walk out of here lighter than we first walked in. That we'll all walk out of here closer to you than when we first walked in. And that you will be honored and glorified in our lives each and every day not just on Sundays, but every day of the week in our lives. I thank you for my salvation, Lord. Father, without Christ in my life, I would be a total mess. I thank you that he came into my life and changed me. And I pray for that for others around me, Lord. I pray that you would use this church to see other people come to saving faith as well, to have that new life, that abundant life that Jesus talks about. And this is what we're looking at, Lord. How can we walk closer to you? We pray for you to guide and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
if you read your Bible, if you study the Bible, if you really read the Gospels closely and, and notice things about the interactions between people and Jesus, whenever Jesus met somebody or did something for someone, he usually, almost always, asked them to do something in return. In John chapter 5 is a great account of Jesus healing a man who's paralyzed. And all he told the man was, hey, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the guy was paralyzed, so he, he gets up, he takes his mat, and he walks off. He's healed. And later on in John 5, verse 14, it says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. I found that interesting because Jesus didn't blame his condition on sin, but he did say later, Hey, stop sinning, or something worse can happen. In other words, hey, Hey, have this relationship with God. Hey, build your life with me. Come see, follow me. I think Jesus is trying to get him to see. And he wants him to stop sinning. Boy, can our culture hear that today? Amen. Yeah. Not in a judgmental way, not in a, in a harsh, uh, condemning way, but just simply, hey, this is a life of sin and you need to stop sinning. I need to stop sinning. Come on, let's do this together. There's nothing in John chapter 5 that tells us that man who picked up his mat and began to walk, that man became a follower of Christ. Nothing in the New Testament tells us that particular man did. He might have. I don't know. But the important point is this, is that Jesus Christ will ask us, those of us who are his followers, if you claim to be a Christian, you are a follower of Christ, he will ask you to do some things in your life. He will ask all of us to do something again and again and again because it's part of our relationship. He wants us to be active in our faith, active living it out, active in our culture. Why is, uh, have you been paying attention to the news? Have you seen what the governor in New York, New York did, the state of New York did? He expanded uh, abortion to now, to a baby can be killed outside the womb. Yeah. And, and the governor of Virginia was actually celebrating that. And the state legislator in the state of New York was actually celebrating that when he signed that into law. Now, that's the state of New York, and, and we obviously you and I, we live in Kansas, and that doesn't affect us, does it? Well, sure it does. It affects our overall culture. It affects our nation and, and, and the thinking of our nation. It does have an effect even here in, in, in Kansas. In 1 John 5, verse 3, we're told this. This is love for God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. You ever get tired? Spiritually tired? Yeah, we all do. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to Bible studies during the week or during, throughout the month. We gather with other believers. We come and we study the Word. We, we try to live this faith out with other people. That's why we do that. Why? To get strength from not only each other, but also from God and the Spirit and Christ. But there is something about God's commands. They shouldn't be a burden. They should be something that we're willing to take up and carry. Maybe as a burden, but not burdensome, not wearing us out, not giving up. And I see these things going on in our culture today, in New York, and in Virginia, and I think, man, is the church starting to waver? Are we getting to where these things are too burdensome? I'm worried about that. Last week I said many Christians in America today have become inoculated against taking risks for Jesus. Our culture has led us to become more and more complacent in our faith to avoid risks. We don't like risks today in our culture. Listen to Psalm 127, verse 1. 
It says, unless the Lord builds a house, his labors labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. But it also says this. It says that God builds a house, right? God builds a house. He builds his kingdom. He builds his house of people. But he has laborers. Who are the laborers for God? You and I. We are those laborers. We are the people. His people. And so we have to, be, get, we have to constantly be ready. We have to be sharpening ourselves, preparing ourselves to do the work that Christ calls us to do, that he asks us to do. That's one thing I do like about Jesus. He doesn't really command a whole lot, but he asks. Why? Because he wants us to willingly do these things on our own free will. Christians in America overwhelmingly say, still say, they value the Bible. Is that true for you? Raise your hand. Is that true? Yeah, it ought to be. You ought to value the Bible. You ought to bring your Bible to, to worship with you. You ought to study it on a regular basis. You ought to be thinking about it. They say it's the most important book ever written. I, I agree with that. That it's valuable for knowing God. I really believe in that. I believe that the Bible teaches a lot about God. I actually believe, get this, that God speaks from the Word through the Spirit. I really believe that. The challenge is, are we listening? Are we listening? That's the key. Jesus said his followers are to listen to him, that he would guide them back then when he was alive 2,000 years ago and us today through his words. Write this down. Write this down. Are you ready? My listening is proof of my obedience. The fact that I listen is proven by my obedience to what God says through the Bible. Am I doing those things that he calls me to do? Am I obeying it the way he wants me to? On your outline, point number one, Jesus asked that we listen to him. He asked that we listen to him. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Find verse 24 when you get there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And Jesus is speaking. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the, the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Jesus asked that we listen to him. And what Jesus said 2,000 years ago when he walked this earth, what he said back then is still applicable today. This passage right here is meant for you and I too. We can take this passage. We can apply it to our lives. We can build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. It's applicable today. It's going to be applicable tomorrow. It'll be applicable until Jesus comes back. Isn't that something? That's the, that's the power of God's Word. That's the power of the Bible. We read it. We read bits of it. You can sign up and get little things on your, on your smartphone, on your tablet. Passages and devotions come over that for you. We have all this technology. We read it, but do we study the Bible? Are we really pouring ourselves in? Do we take and apply the Bible's admonitions, its teachings, its commands to our lives? Are we taking what we're learning and applying it to our daily living? Friends, I want to tell you right now, simply reading the Bible is not good enough anymore. Not in America. Not anymore. We're inoculating ourselves against a closer relationship with God. We're, we're somehow doing just enough, we think. But enough is never enough. Enough is never enough. 
We need to, to abide with Christ more. We need to abide closer to God. That's why on Wednesday nights we're, we're going through that Bible study, how to, how to study the Bible, so we can get the most we can out of that study, so we can, so we can just not just open up the Bible, but really hear God and know what to do in certain situations of life, how to pray and when to pray. So we correctly apply what Jesus said 2,000 years ago to our life today in 2019. Man, did you ever think you would live in 2019? I never really thought, you know, that was amazing to me to think about 2000. So used to the 1900s. But that's where we are. Here's where we're at. And I'm not saying we have to change the way our culture is, but I am saying we better grow stronger in our faith and closer to our Lord. I like this question Jesus asked in Luke 6, 46. He says to to the crowds, to the disciples, to those following him, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I wonder, is he saying that to the church today? Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I want you to do, what I ask you to do? Look again at verses 20, chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. He says there, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's, a, that's application, that's living it out, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had it had its foundations on the rock. We need something in this world to build our lives on. We need something that's strong and steady and stable. Because this is a very uncertain world. What do people tend to build their lives on today? What do most people tend to build their lives on? Popular opinion. Everybody wants to know what everybody else thinks. How do you do this? How do you do that? What works for somebody else? Man, that works for you. That should work for me. Right? A college education. I've got a college education. Do we build our lives on that? On their profession? I know lots of people who've built their lives on their profession. This is what I am. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm an airplane manufacturing worker. I'm, I'm this or that. That's what I am. What their, their parents or grandparents do. We all try to teach our kids, don't, don't do what I did, but they usually do what I did, right? You know what I've done? Well, it seems, kind of seems like the cycle rolls around. And the good things we want them to do, golly. Learn from my mistakes, kid. Come on. You know? What their financial planner, lots of people, I need to go talk to my financial planner because, man, retirement's coming and I don't have enough money and I've got to figure, I'm not smart enough, I'm going to go do with the financial planner. There's all these different sources we all go to and they're not necessarily bad, but who are we leaving out? We're leaving out our Lord. We're not listening to Him. I don't know if you know who David Crowder is. David Crowder is a very popular uh, modern Christian singer, songwriter. I love his music. I love David Crowder for lots of reasons. One is this, he is not what you expect from a Christian singer. David Crowder has the beard of Moses. He has these really dark, dorky eyeglasses. Um, he wears a Case IH farm hat. Everywhere he goes. I think that's just the coolest thing ever. I grew up on a farm. I really like him, but he's...
for someone to help them, even just a little bit. And when you do that, when you do what Jesus asks you to do, and that's the thing, it's not about me asking you to do these things, it's Jesus asking you to do these things. There's you don't know what's going to happen, what's going to come out of whatever it is that he calls you to do. You don't know. But this text has a great claim that's a very important illustration. It's talked about where Mary doesn't understand well, how she's going to become pregnant with baby Jesus. The angel said nothing's impossible with God, right? Yeah. In Mark 10, 25, Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's pretty hard. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then could be saved? They're saying a rich man can't get through the eye of a camel can't get through the eye of a needle. A rich man can't get to heaven. How am I supposed to get to heaven? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. With God, when when life storms are coming against you, don't forget that nothing's impossible with God. Right? Say that nothing's impossible with God. That's right. Nothing's impossible. The greatest miracle, though, that we can ever be part of is the miracle of somebody else's salvation. To help that person come to saving faith in Christ. To figure out how to do that. Most people come to Christ because somebody helps them. Because most of the time we just don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And thank goodness I had people around me. Here's the thing. Don't be afraid to fish. Right? Don't be afraid to fish. Even if you're not a good fisherman, don't be afraid to fish. Jesus asked that we listen to him, that we do something simple that could lead to a miracle, even though it sounds unbelievable. Remember three, he asked us to believe in him, to believe in him. Go to John chapter 12 with me now. John chapter 12 and find verse 44. John 12, verse 44. Then Jesus, he's at the synagogue. He's at, I'm sorry, he's at the temple, not the synagogue. And he's, he's talking to these people. And he says, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in, in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he says the one who, I'm sorry, when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Wow. He asked us to believe in him. He asked that we believe in him for salvation, primarily. But that belief is more than just a verbal commitment. It's more than just signing a simple contract. It's much more to this salvation experience than just coming up forward or going somewhere and saying that you need Christ. Yes, that's part of it, but it doesn't stop there. There's much more to it. It's a life-changing commitment. And that can be found in Scripture. Because following Jesus is much more than just a verbal commitment. It's a life-changing commitment. It's the kind of belief that drives us to action.
work or school or whatever facility you're at is take advantage of what you see around you. Have have the strength and that support of that. Father, thank you this morning for this good time in your house with your people. And thank you, Father, for your word that strengthens and heals.